Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, New Hope Church, and welcome to the Greek journeys of Paul. And in particular, welcome to the ancient city of Ephesus. Before I even get started today, I want to offer two major disclaimers. Number one, it is a gorgeous day here in Ephesus, and I am staring right into the sunshine, which is good light for you, but bad for my eyes. And as such, I am going to put on my sunglasses. I very rarely preach in sunglasses, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Second disclaimer is that we are surrounded by lots of people. And so there is no telling if groups of people will come up here. Hey, it's all good. You're going to see the beauty of God's diverse groups of people here and you can pray for them. But you have this amazing backdrop as we get to bring you with us to Ephesus, one of my most favorite places on the planet. Let me Let me walk you through some certain areas of Ephesus. Here you are going to notice the marketplace. And in the marketplace, there was all kinds of idol worship because they like to connect market and sell and money, of course, to religiosity. This was an epic center for cosmopolitan commerce and mythology. Ephesus is a port city, so there was major commerce and trade here. On top of that, in this city alone, we know that there was somewhere around 50 different idol worship gods, and they would mesh with the people and the commerce of the market. You'll also notice an ancient theater. One of the best theaters that we find in the ancient world. The excavation digs of this area are unbelievable. And if you just put on your imagination a little bit, you can imagine the Apostle Paul preaching the gospel here. little side note, you can also imagine Priscilla preaching the gospel. Yes, a woman preaching the gospel. In fact, some scholars believe that Priscilla might very well have been the first to preach the gospel here. She came with Paul. Paul moved on. Priscilla stayed and the gospel started to flourish. You'll actually find that in Acts 18, verse 26 to be exact. But in this area, we have some of the richest history that we have in any of the biblical sites. I'm going to be preaching today from Ephesians chapter 1. But before I do that, let me continue to just set the context a little bit. Put on your thinking caps today because I'm going to try to take you back in history. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. The study of the church is ecclesiology. What we know from Ephesians 1 is that there is no greater book in the New Testament, for that matter, uh, any particular Pauline books, that actually speak to the church better than the book to the Ephesians. It has the richest, highest theology, or might I say ecclesiology, of any book in the New Testament. If you were to ask me, what book should I study in the New Testament that would teach the church how to live, teach the church a very rich and robust theology? I know of no book, absolutely no book in the New Testament, better 
than the book of Ephesians. Secondly, and interestingly enough, I find a clear connection between the ancient city of Ephesus and for that matter, central North Carolina and Columbia, South Carolina. In the ancient city of Ephesus, you had the very affluent, wealthy folks, and you had the very poor, and you had everyone in between. You also had a major area of commerce. This was the capital area of the ancient province of Rome, the Asia Minor area, and you had unbelievable business, you had research, and it was one of the most productive areas in the ancient world, a lot like Columbia, South Carolina, and Central North Carolina. It was a very cosmopolitan area, very multi-ethnic area, and again, an area of radical pluralism and all of these gods and mythology that was meshing into this area. And as such, Paul writes this letter, which again, it is a great book for the church. I believe it is a great survivor's manual for the church and it was 2,000 years ago for Paul and Priscilla and the people of Ephesus and it is also a survival book for us and the New Hope movement in the Carolinas and beyond. So let's open up the Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 and I'm going to be reading actually verses 1 through 14. But here's what's fascinating as you get ready to read the Bible with me. In the original Greek language, verses 3 through 14, check this out, church, is one continuous sentence. It is the Mac Daddy of all sentences because Paul just can't contain himself as he's writing this book. To the best of our ability, we believe on house arrest in Rome. We learned that. Uh, from Ephesians 3, 1 and Ephesians 4, 1. Paul is writing this, and he's writing around the period of 61 to 62 A.D. after the death of Christ. Here he goes in Ephesians 1, verse 1. Hear the word of God today, church. And you know what? I just feel led in this very moment standing on this sacred ground. I feel led to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word at all of our campuses. Let's rise and hear this unbelievable passage of Scripture. Ephesians 1.1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is just loving on the Ephesians, and even as I'm here So far away, I share this love and admiration for you, New Hope Church. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the faithful community of Ephesus, I would say to the faithful community of New Hope. And in verse 3, this is where he begins that one long sentence. And yes, it is a run-on sentence, but it is an unbelievable sentence. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, listen in church, in love, he uses a big word here, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. 
in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, one headship, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, in him we are also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, that would be you, that would be me. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, but he's writing to us today too. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. If you have your Bibles open, underline that phrase there, for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Here it is again, to the praise of his glory. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for this beautiful, breathtaking, ancient city of Ephesus and the ruins that remain here for us, God, to, to step back into history. And with the Apostle Paul, with Priscilla, with the ancient church of Ephesus, God, may the faithful church of New Hope be strengthened. May they be encouraged in the faith. May they take from this book, particularly this chapter. And may we learn, oh God, how to live in this tricky, precarious 21st century in which you have called us to be faithful. May we have a rich ecclesiology and understanding of who we're called to be in the church, in the midst of pluralism, in the midst of diversity. May you speak to us today. Would you take our minds and think through them? Would you take our hearts and fill with them? Lord Jesus, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And we all pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, New Hope. As you're getting settled, I want everybody to say, to the praise of His glory. Say it again with me. To the praise of His glory. It's a theme that, that Paul picks up in this passage, and I want to talk to you about a few things to which Paul says will result in the praise of his glory. Look at verse 4 and 5, where the Bible says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now underline verse 5, church, watch this. In love he predestined us 
to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace. In these few verses, we get this word that many of you have probably heard thrown around from time to time. It's, it's this word of predestination. I think this is a good word for us today because we have this tendency, do we not, to put too much emphasis upon what we've done instead of upon what God has done. I mean, think about the language that we use. We often say, I found the Lord. Or I got saved. I know I've used that language before, you know. I found the Lord. October 23rd, 1988, that was my spiritual birthday. Or I got saved. October 23rd, 1988. And I believe what Paul reminds us of in this particular passage is that the truth is, I didn't get saved. I I didn't do anything for it. I didn't do any action. The truth is, God saved me in Christ. So instead of saying, I found God, I I stopped using that language about 10 years ago because the truth is, I didn't find God on October 23rd, 1988. No, the truth is, God found me. Think of the most popular verse in the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Who's the one in the verse doing the action? Who is the one who's doing the saving? It is God. And what Paul is reminding us of here in Ephesians 1 is that God has predestined us. Let that sink in for a moment. God has predestined you to be saved whenever you receive the gift of salvation. He has predestined you in love, the Bible says. He chose you before you chose Him. He reached out to you before you reached out to Him. It is this this understanding of predestination that allows you to be sitting here. The truth is, He predestined you in all of His sovereignty to be sitting at a campus today, hearing this message from God Almighty, And being reminded that salvation is in and through Jesus. We have done absolutely nothing to earn it, to warrant it, to justify it. It is all God in his love choosing us to the glory of his grace. I want you to also just slip on down there. Go back to verse 13. And you... We're also included in Christ, so Christ included you. Paul's continuing with this theme. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, underline that word inheritance. Because again, it reminds us that not only has God chosen us, Not only has he predestined us to be saved, not only has he predestined us to be here today hearing this message from the ancient city of Ephesus, but he has predestined us guaranteeing, Paul uses a strong word here, guaranteeing our inheritance. Hear me, church. You have a glorious inheritance coming your way. An inheritance that begins when God has saved you But you have a glorious inheritance that awaits you in heaven to the glorious praise of Jesus. It's an inheritance. You 
you have this coming. It is guaranteed. I don't know what your family believed or thought about inheritances, but I grew up hearing my dad say, and he meant every word of it, son, don't you count on any inheritance. Often he would say this, son, I'm spending your inheritance. And he meant every word. But here's the good news. The good news is our God has guaranteed us an inheritance. And that inheritance is in a place called heaven, bought by the precious blood of Jesus. So the key takeaway here in this point number one is that God has predestined you. He has saved you. He has done it all. Therefore, he deserves all the glory, all the praise. And not only has he saved us here and now, but he has guaranteed us an eternal inheritance forever so that when we pass from this world into the next, it will be to the glorious praise of his grace in heaven forever where we will gather around with all the saints from old, with Paul, with Priscilla, with the ancient church of Ephesus, and we will still be living to the glory of his grace. Now that's good, good news, but there's so much good news in this text. Go go back to verse 4 and 5 again. The Bible says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us. We've read that already, but look at this. In love he predestined us to be adopted. Adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure. Check this out, church. This is so good. God has adopted you as his child and takes great delight and pleasure in you. He has adopted you. You are a child of the King of Kings and he has adopted you through a blood kinship relationship with Jesus Christ. Your God has adopted you and you are his precious son. You are his precious daughter in who he takes great pleasure in. My brother, Roby Kelly, who lives in Sumter, South Carolina, and his amazing wife, Grace, they actually, for many years, were told by the doctors that you cannot have any children. And so my brother and his wife, Grace, adopted a boy by the name of Wilson. He is my nephew, and we love him dearly. But they adopted him from birth on, and this is where people like Roby and Grace, and actually those of you who are in the congregation today who've adopted children or children who are among us and you've been adopted, you really have an inside scoop into the scriptures. You can, you can understand this whole concept of being adopted by God better than the rest of us. Roby and Grace took this precious little boy and they have raised him in the way of the Lord. And now he is a baptized Christian at the University of South Carolina, serving with young life, pouring into high school children throughout the Columbia, South Carolina area. They adopted him, brought him into the faith, raised him in the way of the Lord, and they've released him now as a young man to go forth and witness to the glory of his grace. You see, church, that really is the vision of new hope. We exist to reach, teach, 
and release. Now follow me here for a moment. As we see God graciously reach people, predestine, call them. The invitation is universal, but the person chooses. And when they do, they step into the fulfillment of God's predestination. As we reach them, we then pass on our values. We then teach them the word of God. And here's the really good stuff. We then release them to go forth as kingdom people, kingdom children adopted by the king to live their lives to the glory of his praise. That is exactly what we're doing in this church. And that is exactly what Paul was trying to show the people of this ancient city. As God calls you, as God saves you, we're going to release you throughout the Roman world to the glory of his grace. That is exactly what happened. And check it out, church. They changed this corner of the world. The truth is you're sitting where you are today. And I'm here preaching today because it worked. The message of reaching people and teaching them that they've been adopted by the King of Kings and then releasing them to make a difference in the world. It worked back then and it's working today. And it is the best most solid, I would say, faithful ecclesiology that we could ever embrace as a church. Again, you are an adopted child of God, adopted by the King of Kings, who wants to pour into you His truth, teach you His Word, then release you to live the life that God has created you to live, to release you to become, in a very real sense, fully human to the glory of of his grace. You know when you when you think about adoption, here's an important way to remember it. Adoption by God plus the power of his purpose. Paul says he's reminded us and saved us for his purpose. The adoption by God plus the power for his purpose equals the praise of his glory. Again, write it down, church. The adoption by God plus the power for his purpose equals the praise of his glory in your life and in my life. So by way of review, we, we've celebrated today this rich teaching from Paul in Ephesians 1 that God's predestination is to the glory of his praise. God's eternal inheritance that he is leaving with you and for you, guaranteeing for you in heaven, is to the glory of his praise. We are adopted as children of God to the glory of his praise. I want to just read just a few more verses and wrap up here today. Go down to verse 15. We read through verse 14 earlier. Look at how Paul kind of ends this area. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So Paul's writing to Ephesus, like I said, probably from Rome. He's hearing about their faith. Priscilla and others are here. They're preaching the gospel. He said, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now camp out on these next few verses, church. Verse 18 and 19. I pray also that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope. Circle that phrase, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. I want to talk to you in closing today about the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. It's actually why we named this church New Hope. I want to talk to you today about the fact that I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And as your eyes are enlightened, that you may know the hope to which Jesus has called you. There's lots of things in this day and age just trying to offer us hope. But the truth is, ultimate hope only comes from knowing Christ Jesus. As you know, there are many things that continuously come our way and they offer a false kind of hope. We actually are taught in our culture, like the church in Ephesus, that our hope can rest in our materialistic blessings. That's why Paul talks in Ephesians 1, not about materialistic blessings, but about spiritual blessings. In this day, we're also taught that our hope can rest in politics. Oh my, we are in the heart of the political season. And I hate to be Debbie the Downer, but the truth is we still have about a year left of all the politics and the campaigns. And I just want to say to you, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, a Libertarian or an Independent. Here's what you need to know. Your hope cannot rest in a candidate. Your hope cannot come from a particular political party. For our hope, Paul says, is in nothing less than Jesus who has called you to the riches of his glorious inheritance as a child of God. I'm reminded of that old hymn. Our hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So as you go forth this week and you live out your life as a child of God who's been predestined by God, as a child who's been adopted by God, as a child who's been promised and guaranteed an eternal inheritance, and as a child who puts your full hope in Christ and Christ alone, notice that he is the only true foundation for the church and he is the only true foundation for you and as God continues to raise up this movement and we move into the Christmas season and here at the Durham campus we move back into the Durham campuses and at all of our other campuses we continue to refurbish and build and grow to the glory and honor of God let us remember today that it is all to the glory of his praise it is all to the glory of his grace and as God continues to do that he continues to raise up more and more people and he continues to release more and more people at all of our campuses not for our own name not for our own glory not for our own popularity but to the glory and the fame and the popularity of one and his name is Jesus maybe you remember the old nursery rhyme it goes something like this This is the church, this is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Did did you learn that as a child? I've got a different version for you today, and I think it 
it wells up right in this Ephesians 1 text. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors. Check it out, church. And release all the people. Release all the people. That would be you. That would be me. To the glory of his praise. The praise of the one and only Jesus Christ. Who has predestined you. Who has adopted you. Who has promised you an eternal inheritance. And who gives you ultimate hope. Which we are all looking for. Hope that is found in no one or no other than Jesus Christ. King of kings. Lord of lords. I hope you've enjoyed this word today from Ephesus. I hope you know the city better. And I hope you are encouraged like I am to continue putting everything we have into the glory of his praise. Will you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for your word that continues to speak and minister to me. And I pray the entire movement today. Father, I pray that as we leave all of our campuses today, we are secure and firm in our foundation. We are secure and firm in our identity. God, our identity as being children who've been called by you, predestined by you, adopted by you, promised eternal life that begins here and now, but promised eternal life, inheritance forever, where we will receive a glorious inheritance. Firm in our understanding that our hope comes in nothing or no one other than your gospel and Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God, we're so thankful for what you have done. May you use our lives and may you use this church to the glory of your praise. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, if you receive it today, give the Lord some praise today. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.